Coming to you from the heart of the heartland, you're listening to Life Chat, a podcast designed to help independent agents make life easy. It's important to note the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of EMC National Life. Now it's time to get things started. Let's join our life insurance team. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Life Chat. I am Chad Waller, and today I am joined with my two regular co-hosts, Kurt Till. I'm here. And Rob Oxenford. Hey, everybody. How are you guys doing? Haven't seen you in several months. <laughs> Not outside of a Zoom meeting, I don't think. Nope. <laughs> I know, right, just virtually. <laughs> interesting days, interesting days. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of interesting, today we have a special guest with us. Um, we have our Executive Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer, Cam Torstenson. Cam, are you there? I am here. It's a pleasure to join you, gentlemen, today. Thank you very much. Pleased to have Thanks you. Thanks for being here. Well, um, I had nowhere else to be. Just one more Zoom <laughs> meeting, right? <laughs> I am sure the vast majority of listeners are probably laughing as well and going, oh, isn't that so true? Uh, it's it's a great tool, but wow. Yeah, Zoom fatigue is mm-hmm. real. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. That's for well, sure. I think it, it, it's funny, too, just because I think it does a, a great um, job of kind of going along with the topic today because everything is so virtual right now. Technology... I mean, things I didn't even know existed, say, three months ago. Now it is a day-to-day part of my life. For instance, like Zoom, like before Marco March Polo. 13th, I'd never been on Marco Polo. <laughs> I learned that this weekend of all times. Well, you'll, you'll be able to forget about it by next weekend. There'll be something else. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> no, it's true. But the times, they definitely are changing. Um, you know, And life insurance is being written differently than it was 20 years ago, 10 years ago. Six months ago, it's being written differently now. And that's kind of what I wanted to talk about. I know in my conversations with agents, um, one of the things that they often ask us is, you know, you've come up with a, a simplified underwriting platform, the accelerated underwriting process. You know, you mentioned that it's because of big data that you can do this. And they're like, what really is big data? So, Cam, that's kind of what I wanted to start off with for you is, you know, when people ask, you know, what is big data? What are we talking about? Generally speaking, big data is aggregated data. And in other words, if I take uh, 40 or 50,000 customers and I aggregate the information and then I de-identify it so that I can't tell it's Chad Waller's information I, I'm looking at, I can just tell demographically who it is, then I'm able to draw a whole bunch of conclusions at a high level based on that big data. So, so big data really is exactly what it sounds like. It's just a whole lot of data. And in the, in the way we look at it from the insurance standpoint, one of the interesting parts about it is uh, we believe very strongly that in the long term, regulators are going to make sure that we have to have de-identified big data. So the interesting part about that with regard to what is big data is it's just that it's only data. Right. We, we cannot ascribe it to a particular set of people. Zip codes uh, are fine, but addresses aren't. Uh, so, so it's interesting that way. But big data is really just exactly what it sounds like. And what's important is what you do with the data uh, after you assemble it. Okay. Okay. So it's large numbers. There's no specifics as far as individuals. I mean, it, it's just literally the law of large numbers, putting that into effect in a life insurance 
Because we're getting more just kind of like demographic information from those people, correct? Like, I don't know that it's right. Rob Oxenford, but they know my age. They know kind of my habits. I, I hear a lot about buying habits, too, when they talk about big data. You know, what is this person doing? What are they interacting with? What are they, you know, how is that going to affect their overall health, their overall wanting to purchase, say, life insurance uh, or even other lines of insurance kind of off that? Well, that's right. And what's interesting about that, Rob, is that that it could be argued, I think, maybe that insurance is a little bit late to the big data game, which is ironic only because nobody positionally as an industry is better positioned to think about big data the way that tech companies are thinking thinking about big data than insurance. Mm-hmm. Right? We underwrite and have underwritten for years, decades, centuries based on big data. As a life insurance company, if you think about how we look at underwriting, uh, our actuaries would tell you that I can tell you how many people are going to die next year in what age groups. I just can't tell you who. Hmm. And so if we look at enough data, we can make very accurate predictions. That's been going on, like I said, for centuries. And what's interesting now is that the, the technology has arisen in such a way that we can gather dramatically uh, enormous amounts of data that allow us to create insights along those lines that we could never have created before. So how does that actually help us increase like our speed of underwriting? Well, it's interesting. So if you look at at the arc of of what we call accelerated underwriting, and one of the problems with accelerated underwriting is everyone does not mean the same thing when they say accelerated. But what we mean when we say accelerated is that we're trying to create or recreate a fully underwritten outcome by using data instead of using underwriting information on a traditional basis. So there's two ways to look at that. You can look at it from a substitute data standpoint, which is to say I can find a data point that substitutes for something I would normally get from, let's say, an attending physician statement. And one of the things that's happening in the industry right now is that uh, we're, we're seeing dramatic progress in the digitization of those kinds of records. So as an example, one of the reasons it takes us generally 48 hours to turn around an accelerated case now is because we have to verify some of that data and, and occasionally it will take human intervention to do that. And because we're trying to do that on that kind of quick turnaround basis, there's certain data that we haven't been able to add into the process that would be very helpful in terms of reaching an underwriting decision. That's changing pretty quickly, and you'll see us by the end of the year add in in our next generation of accelerated process data that was not available to us even a year ago, even six months ago, that, that proxies for, that substitutes for that underwriting data. That's the same kind of data that we would have got uh, from your doctor. So that's the one kind we, we use is a substitute data. The other kind is proxy data. And proxy data is something that uh, we're just still beginning to explore. And it's probably a lot more interesting, at least to me. So proxy data is the approach where you would take extraordinarily large groups, sets of data, and you would look for apparently unrelated pieces of data, trends in the data, that were predictive of the outcome that you're looking for. So if you think about that, if I happen to know that you're a smoker, that's substitute data, right? It's in-kind data. I, I already know I'm going to ask if you're a smoker, if you're in a traditional uh, applicant for life insurance. So if I can find that data elsewhere, I'm substituting that data for that question. 
The interesting development that we're getting to now is if I build a smoker model and I take a, a whole bunch, let's say 20 or 25 or 26 different variable kinds of data, none of which on the surface appear to be related to the outcome I'm looking for, in this case smoking, but when I analyze them sufficiently at a detailed enough level and see how those different data pieces interplay, the result in certain circumstances can be that we have an outcome that is predictive of the outcome we're trying to, trying to model. That's proxy data. So we've actually worked with some partners now where we have, we have proxy data output for smoker, non-smoker, that is reaching the point that it is more accurate than if we ask the question. In other words, if I ask, are you a smoker on a life insurance application, you're 93% likely to tell the truth. 7% of the time you're gonna lie. Uh, we're reaching the point with some of this proxy data where if I don't ask the question, I can gather information in publicly available sources and predict with a higher degree of accuracy whether or not you're a smoker without ever asking you the question. And that's proxy data. That's really the next step in terms of how we look at underwriting. So with that proxy data, is it mainly coming from just, uh, um, I guess, past experiences, or is this something that the insurance industry is kind of developing this, or is this coming from other academic sources? I guess where they're finally finding that, hey, if I ask, oh, you own this, then you must be a smoker, because you're 95% likely going to be a smoker if you own one of these. I guess is the insurance company kind of generating that data, or... The, it's a mix, Rob. It's a mix mm -hmm. right now with regard to where it's coming from. We have partners on the reinsurance side that for reasons that are easy to, to get to uh, have invested a lot of money in data analytics. Uh, ultimately, part of what a reinsurer does is they aggregate the aggregated risk from various insurers. And so it's very valuable to them to be able to gain this insight. Most of that kind of data along those lines is being generated in terms of the modeling by those kinds of organizations, but the data itself is coming from all over the place. Uh, DMV records is a good example as data that's not necessarily correlated uh, or gathered in any way that's related to our activities as insurers, but we've certainly used those records for years and years mm -hmm. to great effect. I think what's going on now is that you're seeing a lot more data is readily available, and there is such dramatic computing power out there that we can find relationships deep within the data that we simply didn't have the capability of finding before. That's gonna dramatically change the speed to underwriting. And whereas five years ago, we might have been in a situation where we could provide you a very quick underwriting decision, uh, the issue was that, that we didn't really have an underwritten decision, and so we charged you extra for the insurance. Uh, mm -hmm. Today, in the same amount of time, we can get you a fully underwritten decision uh, that results in the same price you would pay if you'd gone through the traditional process of underwriting. So it sounds like there's a lot on, on the, the data side that's going to help the carrier. Um, how would you say that's going to help the agency side as far as, say, marketing? Well, you know, we, uh, we write the majority of our business with property and casualty agents, and, and having tried to do that for the past 15 years, and you gentlemen being engaged every day with trying to help them do that, there are a variety of hurdles that the property and casualty agent uh, has to clear in order to be effective at writing life insurance. And one of the most significant ones is uh, I have to ask about it. And one of the reasons we get resistance from the property and casualty agents asking about life insurance is the possibility that that question has a bad outcome. Right? If I ask one of my best customers, 
Hey, do you have life insurance? I think you have need for life insurance. Let's, they, they go out of their way to build that need. And then they find themselves in a circumstance after the process of going through full underwriting and, and having their client poked and prodded and blood drawn and all that good stuff. It turns out they're uninsurable. Well, if that happens once, um, maybe they come back. Probably they don't, but maybe they do. If it happens twice, they're done. They'll never ask about life insurance again. So as an example, there's no reason that we can't be in a position where we are using the same kind of data analysis to figure out for the agent who they should ask, right? So now we're doing predilection to qualify analysis so that we can give you a heads up before you ever ask the question whether we think this person is likely to qualify for insurance. So if I'm the agency now, uh, armed with this information, it's much easier for me to know that I can ask the question about life insurance without getting myself in trouble or without making my client mad at me. Uh, what's more, we can create a, a, an underwriting experience that's so much smoother for the client and still gets a fully underwritten outcome that the whole process happens much more quickly. And as we move forward with regard to how we're developing these tools, certainly one of the things we're going to do is get more engaged on a direct basis at coming alongside our partner agencies and helping them with that outbound marketing, selecting who to market, what products they should be marketed, and then helping them with the outbound marketing and the inbound fulfillment. So they can add the revenue that they want to add to their business without creating the risk or cost centers that come from trying to proactively engage in life insurance the way they've done traditionally. So making it a lot, lot more easy. <laughs> we make life easy. Well, I like the so idea, especially with that, of being a little bit more, um, more guaranteed a yes. Like you said, you, know, you never want your client to have to say no to anything. So knowing that you're more likely to get a yes and it's also going to go through painlessly for them, uh, I mean, that's huge. Any product, that's huge. Kind of when we're looking at things like that from not only the carrier side but also the agency side, what do you kind of feel is the biggest hurdle? in getting something like that implemented or kind of moving forward? I think there are a variety of hurdles, but I would be honest with you in telling you that I think the biggest uh, potential pitfall for us is regulatory. Uh, one of the problems we have as an industry overall is that we're highly regulated and that uh, as a rule, regulators tend to lag behind development. So they're always in a situation where they're trying to catch up. And I'm not trying to knock a, a regulator. It's the reality of the situation. But the problem you run into is where do we get to the point where we've possibly created a, a bunch of tools that allow us to truly do a better job of understanding who we should make what offers to and truly do a better job of giving the customer a better experience in terms of their outcome, but that access data in some way that regulators become uncomfortable with and therefore at some point decide they're not going to allow us to use anymore. Uh, so from my perspective, really you're in a situation where, where it's the regulatory environment that is probably the biggest risk to the long-term success of these kinds of programs. I can see that. Okay. Very interesting. So basically, in quick summary, I mean, big data is the hot thing right now. It, it's leading to many beneficial uh, outcomes, especially for the agent. You know, we're going they're going to be able to ask less invasive questions. It can increase the speed of issuance. Uh, it can help on the cost of the policy. You know, less cost means, means lower premiums. And also possibly can help identify buyers. 
all of those are definite pluses for an agent. If I'm an agent out there, all of that sounds like a really good deal huge to me. Huge pluses. So, Let's not so understand. Work, work smarter, Let's not understate. <laughs> yeah, huge pluses. All right. If I know the five well, people I can ask life about, I'm going for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Well, that's, that's excellent. Well, Cam, thank you very much for joining us today. We certainly appreciate it. Thank you for listening, everyone out there. If uh, anything we've said today uh, you know, perks up the ears and maybe warrants further conversation, please let us know. You can always send us an email at communications at emcnl.com. So that's communications at emcnl.com. Drop us a line. Let us know what you think. But other than that, keep listening. Thanks a lot, everybody. Stay safe.